Welcome to Locarno Meets, where the most exciting new talent and established legends of cinema come to chat about art, life, movies, and everything in between. Brought to you by UBS and hosted by me, Alexander Miller, from Locarno Film Festival. Everybody loves a local boy done good, and Amos Sussigan has done better than most. Born in Ticino here in Switzerland, Amos long ago moved to LA to become an animator. Since then, he's worked alongside the biggest sports star in the world, LeBron James, on Space Jam and New Legacy. He's produced his own award-winning projects, been inducted into the Academy of Arts and Science, and is now working alongside the British actor and director Andy Serkis on adapting one of the most important pieces of 20th century fiction, Animal Farm, into an animated film. So look, I was watching a documentary that you made last night set during COVID about you pining to come home, desperately trying to you know, find a way to navigate your way back to this part of the world. Now you are home and you're home as a member of a jury at Locarno Film Festival. I wonder if that's meaningful to you. Oh, it absolutely is. It's actually, thank you very much for checking that out. That was, I, I was like a documentary. Yeah, that was a 10 day project. Uh, it, it was the kind of thing that during COVID they're like, Hey, like, what do you think about trying to shoot something about lockdown? And I hated the idea of shooting something that was somebody just on the couch staring outside the window because they're in lockdown. I'm like, what would it be if you had to break lockdown, like, and break all the official rules? to try to come back home. It is absolutely meaningful to be back here. I've seen the Locarno Film Festival since I'm two years old. Yeah. Um, and I've never been part of it or behind the scenes. And I appreciate the opportunity of being part of it, even if like a small part uh, of the jury. It is more meaningful than anything else. And I always tell like John Nazaro or the organizers uh, that they do not realize how meaningful it is for me. So look, you know, animation, Clearly your first love is, is what you studied. Who were the animators that you admired when you were growing up? Which films turned you onto it? So I, I always have to like give an explanation about, I'm not a fan of animation. I grew up with the Disney movies, but I am not the guy that's going to quote you Disney movies or Disney scenes or that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember when I started getting interested in animation was because I thought it was a way of learning cinema without having to own a camera. So I could just draw everything from scratch. So like some animators that come to mind is Eric Goldberg or Andreas Deja, you know, they were like the big ones. Then once I got to Los Angeles, then I started to know many more of them. My mentor, my best friend is like my American dad is Dan Lund and he's been at Disney since 1989. And he's the guy that gave me my first shot on an internship on Frozen, the first one. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's still... Uh, my my friend and and my partner. Whenever I work on a movie or something, you mentioned a documentary. He was one of the when I wasn't filming. He was one of the guys that was filming in those ten days. It was five days in Los Angeles and five days here. So what's it like then to come on as an intern for something like Frozen? It must give you a slightly warped view of the world when you're like, well, I guess everything I work on is going to be an enormous generational classic. Uh, yes, <laughs> I mean at the time nobody. It was still called the Snow Queen and. 
it wasn't they changed it so the boys would watch it right <clears throat> oh of course you you gotta you gotta put an, a, an adjective yeah. like a movie <laughs> like that's how they sell movies but it was called the snow queen and nobody really wanted to work on it uh it was in development for like 11 years um and uh denland came to judge one of my short films and he uh, it's like, hey, you know, uh, he's an old school animator, so he still draws everything. Yes, on a computer, but it's still old school. It's not CGI. And he's like, I suck at Photoshop. And I was really good at Photoshop because that's that's what I used to do, graphic design with Photoshop. And uh, it's like, uh, what if you uh, come in, you can use the credits for like your internship credits for the university and you'll just help me draw snowflakes. And there's like snowflakes. Yeah. And Frozen is the perfect place to draw snowflakes. There's actually like around 60 different kind of snowflakes, depending on her emotions. Like if she's pissed, they're halfway built. If uh, she's happy, they're perfectly like uh, smooth and, and figured out. And even like how they move and how they are animated, like how nervous they look when they move through the through the hair. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was very peculiar. It was very weird. And I was just an intern. Yeah. So it was very weird. The perception no matter how many times I said that I was just an intern, it just looked like I won an Oscar myself. It was very hard to explain it, especially for the press here in Ticino, like because we like he took me to the Oscars uh, with him and I was just filming like, oh, that's great. And everybody was like cheering. It was a very surreal experience. I mean, it strikes me that it's actually kind of an interesting year for animation because, you know, before Barbie came along, it looked like, Super Mario Brothers was basically going to be the biggest film released this year. There's an argument that Spider-Verse 2 is the best film released this year and Miyazaki's last ever film is coming out this year. So, you know, it's kind of interesting point. And I'm curious as to how the animation community react when something like Into the Spider-Verse comes out. Oh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse is mind blowing. I think that they're so, you know, for many years, every studio tried to emulate what Pixar was doing. Yeah. So it's achieving something that is uh, photorealistic. So like putting peach fuzz on every piece of clothing, right? And then Spider-Verse a couple of years ago came along. And I gotta say before then, it was Paperman and Feast, two shorts from Disney that won the Oscar, that try to do officially, like for a studio, something that didn't look like Pixar. Yeah. Disney, until now, until this November, when Wish is gonna come out, which is gonna try to look very uh, watercolory and nice. uh, storybook, they never tried to make it into a feature film because there's this notion that the more artistic you make it, the more the audience is not going to follow, the more they're going to think that it's a movie just for kids. And so you're not going to reach a broader audience. Then Spider-Verse came out and it was mind blowing the first one. And then everybody tried to move in that direction. Puss in Boots tried um, actually a really good movie like the last um, Puss in Boots that came out, yeah. uh, which it could have been a cash grab because, you know, it's Puss in Boots. They tried to achieve a non-photorealistic look. Not consistent, but an amazing try. And then- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which is amazing, which they're, they've yet, been working but... in the same studio that I'm working on. Oh, really? And it's amazing. It looks great. It's intensely non-photorealistic and very artsy. Nimona that just came out with uh, Netflix. It used to be a blue sky. Actually, Riz Ahmed that was honored last night mm -hmm. is uh, the main character uh, in there. And he has an amazing performance in that. I just wanted, I wished he was here because I could geek out on that movie. Um, and, and then Spider-Verse, 
deck came out. And I think that everybody thought it was going to be amazing. I don't think that anybody thought it was going to be that good. I'm not an animator. I'm not an animation expert. But when you go and see something like Spider-Verse, it just looks like a million years worth of work. Is there any way you can explain to people like me just how much energy and effort and creativity has gone into a project like that? Maybe in, in very reductive terms, but like, let's say like that you need to cast your main actor, right? In a regular live action movie. So you're like, okay, I need a male. He needs to look buff. He needs to have like, I don't know, this type of hair and he needs to act a certain way, right? So imagine that for that decision, you basically look at picture of actors and you see their performances. In animation, you need hundreds of drawings to explore what that character could look like. And then you narrow it down to one and then you need to explore like, what are the clothes? What are the costumes? And you need to design anything. You cannot, you know, go to H&M and, and buy different type of stuff and then tr do a fitting. You need to design everything. Everything needs to be very intentional. Uh, down to what color are the shoelaces mm. of maybe not even the main actor. The background characters in a movie that i'm working right now uh, on basically like one of the toughest things was okay we just have extras what are they wearing what are their haircuts what are their eye colors like mm. stuff that in live action you don't necessarily like, you kind of like get what you get and then you kind of like polish a little bit it's it's a lot of work so look you're talking about your the project you're currently working on can you tell us more about it Yes, I, I cannot tell too much about it. What I can say is uh, it's Andy Serkis' animated movie. I've been working on it for the past two years and a bit. I'm the production designer. It's Animal Farm. It's uh, the animated version of uh, George Orwell's book in animation. Amazing. When I got the offer to work on Animal Farm, I'm like, this is the darkest thing I've ever read for animation. This is never going to stay this dark because it's animation and it's too expensive. Uh, but at least there's a starting point. We're starting from really dark and then we're going to tone it down. And that's why I liked it. What, does, what exactly does a production designer do in an animated project? Production designer is if the director is in charge of everything that it's story and animation. Um, production designer is everything that it's visual. So it's setting up like the look of the movie, setting up like the characters of the movie, uh, then you have to maintain the look of the movie. So basically, yes, you're supervising basically the, the design department, but then you supervise the modeling department that they maintain the look of the movie, the lighting department. It's basically like you work with the cinematographer and your part cinematographer yourself and uh, director of photography DP uh, and so on. Everything that is visual goes through the uh, production designer. It's a combination of it's it's basically like a set designer and a location scouter and a casting director for the design of of uh, the characters, but everything down to like how do we make the hair look? How do we make the effects look? How do the sky and the clouds look? How does the grass look? What kind of flowers do we have? And then you design those and basically you're the funnel that curates everything that goes in front of the director and then you talk to the director in which direction he wants to go for every part of the movie in animation you are going to have a lot of discussions about like what are hoofs of pigs going to look like and why are they looking that way and why do we dress the extras in a certain way and what is our big idea and then possibly trying to figure out 
solutions to not just make it artsy, but also budget friendly. Because design definitely defines like how expensive a movie could get, not just story. And then, you know, the best design is the design that helps to st- tell the story. So you're just constantly working with the story people to understand, you know, how big this location is going to look and why do we make it this big and I mean, in a, like in, a, in a story like that where you've, there's kind of actually an enormous cast and they all look different because they're different animals. There's an enormous cast and they're <laughs> all animals <laughs> and they're always on camera. <laughs> Which which of the animals is the most annoying to nail down? So I'm going to be vague, but like in general, the pigs. They uh, play an, a crucial plot point. Yes, yes. Like I don't, I like I don't, I don't think I should go in in any detail, but I do think like that. There's especially coming from Space Jam, where Porky Pig was like the most hated character to design, just because he's pink, yeah. and there's nothing besides like the little bow tie and the vest. There's nothing to like, you know, like there's nothing to get your hands in. Just like something, right? Like Bugs Bunny, you know, has got like shapes and stuff. Porky Pig is even his face. Yeah, he's, you're right. He's got tiny little limbs. He can't do anything with them. The hoofs kind of doesn't have any charisma. Yeah, but but also there's just the hooves to draw, like that they're black, and then there's the red bow tie and the, but the face there's nothing. It's pink over pink over pink, and it's annoying. So that was one of the things that scared me the most with this current movie that it's it's just pigs, and how do you make them different from one another without getting too cartoony and without going full on babe sure because if nothing against babe i love babe babe's great and babe oh i love babe but if you were to make it like babe then you make it live action because what i thought that what was really successful about babe it was the limitations but then you're not really like going full on animation if you're no. just like slightly moving the mouth, you know, I think that it's cute and it's very successful, but I don't think that that's what they wanted to do, especially when you think about the end of the movie where they stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we talked about how in the aftermath of Pixar for, you know, a decade plus, maybe even two decades, everybody was kind of aping that, that look. And now with something like Spider-Verse, there's been, been another shift. You know, do you think that we're just going to enter a long period of copycat styles or perhaps, you know, a new period of experimentation where you may have a multiplicity of styles kind of flowing through the animated realm? I think that every movie that you're going to see, like from now on, is going to be, everybody says painterly. Painterly is such a vague word. Um, I think that everybody's going to try to figure out what's the best style. I think it's amazing for production designers like me because we always have to fight with the the technical part of stuff i do think that a lot of studios have tried so hard for so many years to do what pixar did that right now they're gonna have a really hard time trying to like shift Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be more challenging than than anything now sony with uh Mitchell's versus the machine, Spider-Verse one and two, and what they did even in two, there's different styles inside there. Um, so I feel like that they had, they are a little bit ahead. Disney with Wish uh, that's coming out next November, they pushed definitely and they maintained like a look that they decided they wanted to do. But I think that because of Sony and how far Sony pushed it, Disney's gonna have to pedal quite a bit. Um, Pixar just put out Elemental, which at first didn't get received that well. 
I know that right now, like the general narrative is that it's got legs because it's still making money. Yeah. I personally did not like it. It could have been a short. I thought that there were some cute parts and it would have been an amazing, really expensive short. Mm. But even story-wise, it was very poor in my opinion. Um, What's one good thing you've seen recently? Nimona. Yeah. Nimona is a movie that I've seen in the making of for seven years. Uh, Jeff Turley, the production designer, he's the guy that taught me how to paint. He was, I was a fan of his uh, and uh, John Carr's. When I got my first job as an assistant, production assistant. So I was basically the guy that was cleaning up the trash of Paramount. And they just finished Paperman and Feast. They were these two groundbreaking shorts at Disney. And I was a huge fan of them. And then Jeff taught me how to paint. That's how, like after school, my first job was with him. Uh, Numona was a movie that he was a production designer for. He was a blue sky before Disney bought Fox and closed Blue Sky and uh, canceled the movie. And then Netflix picked it up and they managed to finish the movie seven years later. And it looks amazing. I think that they tell a story that it's necessary. They do it in a very uh, different way. I think that they treat a LGBTQ story not as a plot point. Like, it's just like, it is what it is. And I thought it was like very brave for an animated movie. You cannot do that usually. So I found it uh, amazing. It was really touching. I was at ANSI at the, fest- uh, the festival uh, for the premiere and the house came down. Like I've never seen like a longer clapping of hands and people crying and bawling. And there was like a Netflix, a couple of Netflix people that were bawling, like there's no tomorrow. And the director turned around and like, it's okay, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> so it's really great. Uh, it's amazing considering that they started at Blue Sky, then Blue Sky got bought and then the movie got canceled. And then they literally like shopped it around it's amazing. It's not more inconsistent. Mm-hmm. The style is amazing. It's definitely like more towards the, the 2D look, like a, a very Charlie Harper type nice. of style graphic. Uh, not successful throughout the entire movie, but amazing when it works. Um, so yeah, Nimona, absolutely. Is your ultimate goal to direct feature? You know, I, I just recently had like half an opportunity to direct. Direct for a, a feature, for a studio, uh, it's very different than directing a short film. I love directing short films because they're very manageable and you do not have a committee of people uh, that, you know, tell you what to do. I'm not saying that I'm like against like suggestions, but these movies are so expensive. And so there's so many people that you know, need to steer you in a certain direction more than another. And I see very famous and very powerful directors getting thrown around in animation for a while and they're long, right? So it's for five years, you're trying to make a movie, but then it's going to be a a movie by committee. It's very rare that it's not. Spider-Verse, it's three directors. Yeah. Very challenging. Like it came out amazing, but like it was also really tough. It could easily go very wrong. Oh yeah. So uh no, actually like my my dream job is being a production designer. I love it. You're slightly detached. You have an amazing responsibility, theoretically enough power to pitch and do what you want. And you can uh have like very meaningful discussions with the director, but you're slightly removed from uh, the whole businessy part the politics so the pol- i mean there's still a lot of politics 
there's still a lot of politics, but it's, it's a, it's a bit less, you know, like, and also it allows you to pick and choose what were your choices and what were not. <laughs> Right. Director is much harder. Right. If the movie is responsibility for the whole thing. Exactly. All right. Good luck. Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Amos. This has been Locano Meets, a podcast from Locano Film Festival brought to you by UBS. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. This has been a true anti-classic production hosted by me, Alexander Miller, and produced by Jack Boswell.